The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. While many of the people here have some form of mental health training, they are not your mental health professional. This podcast is not a replacement for mental or physical care or for the diagnosis of any mental health illness or condition. to be honest i mean the tattoos i've gotten i've paid in cash so i don't know what that says yeah. about the place get it on the table are those tacos i'm gonna take a shot first and then we'll get going Hello, and thank you for joining us once again for the Guardians MH podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nate, and with me tonight is Joe. Hello. Matt. Hi. And Alan. Howdy. If you are joining us for the first time, Guardians MH is a 501c3 nonprofit focused on promoting mental health awareness throughout the gaming community. We strive to be a first step assisting individuals with gathering meaningful resources in a safe and inclusive atmosphere. Our podcast is another way to normalize talking about mental health and its diffusion of mental health topics and gaming. Please welcome our guest tonight, Bailey. Hello. Hi, Bailey. Thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's great having you back. Uh, you've been on a few times with us and then also on a few uh, Let's Talk streams that we did. And it's always awesome having you. Uh, you've been with us and uh, helping us out since the very beginning. So it was really, really awesome, you know, having you reach out and wanting to come on and discuss this topic we're going to touch on tonight. I'm just really excited to see you again. You look great. Thanks. It's good to see you all, too. Um feel a little more rested, you know, well-rounded than probably the last time we saw each other. And that's why yeah. I wanted to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. For for the people that might not know who you are, would you mind giving a little bit of background to share a little bit about yourself? Of course, I'd love to talk about myself. My <laughs> name is Bailey. I am a licensed master social worker, and I'm also a certified peer specialist. So I operate from a clinical perspective, but also from one informed by lived experience. And that's honestly clinically probably the biggest tool I have at my disposal. My background, my field of quote-unquote expertise is suicide and suicidal crisis, both prevention, intervention, and then, you know, postvention for those of us left responding. So those all kind of came to a really neat head during a pandemic. Mm. Um, in my day job, I am a clinical liaison, so I do a lot of work in and out of the psychiatric inpatient facility trying to get folks in touch with resources out here in the community that can keep them here in the community and, and help them define that community, you know, their community of choice rather than perhaps what they've been told for the rest of their lives. And so I get to come in at a really neat and hopeful place sometimes. I get to be that first glimmer of hope. Unfortunately, that means sometimes taking a lot of stuff away with me that then is mine to deal with just a little bit. And so I think that's that's how this all came around this time was identifying that, you know, really no one had it easy. And then, wow, I took on some stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's quite possibly one of the most prevalent things in, in our field. I'm an, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. So yeah, I think it's one of the, the biggest thing that I've, I've always said about social work is like, I'll keep it 
you know, while we while we start to work out the issues, I'll hold on to this for now. But sometimes holding on to it, you hold on to too much and you hold on to it for too long and you start to get that vicarious sort of issue going on. It's tough. Absolutely. I'm a big proponent of like holding hope for people. You know, that's what I've always said. I, I know you're not hopeful. I've got it for now. I didn't realize how much how much pain I was taking away too. I, I have pretty good boundaries, but there's a threshold. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's so important to know what where that threshold is and where that line is in order to come, kind of come back and take care of yourself. And I don't say that that I do that, that I'm a professional at that by any stretch of the imagination, but it's important to always kind of keep that in uh, in mind at times too. I'm ho- not that I'm horrible at it, but I've had moments where I've needed to take a step back every so often and be like, nope, took on too much, got to go. <laughs> it's, it's a very fine line between being empathetic and still effective at what you guys do. Yeah, I think that's what I see um, most often. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's it's my lack of empathy. That's my cue is if I start to hear somebody telling me about what would ordinarily be a really bad day. And I'm like, you got a house, okay? <laughs> no it's so true i will never forget i quit a job because of that actually right around the time i joined guardians um <laughs> i quit a job because i realized it was way too much i was working two jobs i was working until about 10 o'clock at night and i noticed that the second job was i wasn't cl- as clinically effective as i wanted to be I'm sure if you asked anybody that I saw, they'd be like, no, no, Matt was great. But I felt, I was like, no, I could be doing so much more, but I'm not because by the time I get there, it's already five. I've done eight hours of hospital social work, and now I'm coming back in to do a bit more clinical stuff, and I'm not there. And I remember telling my boss that, and he said to me, and I quote, he said, good for you. Good that you recognized it. Good that you saw it. And he goes, I, you know, <laughs> he, he said to me, he goes, again, nobody's ever going to complain, but the fact that you recognize it is better. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Well, I don't know if I love it, but this says something I think about social workers is that's where we draw the line. If we're not competent anymore, mm-hmm. then we know we're, we'll suffer. We'll make it through. But if I'm going to fail the people I'm serving, then okay, we got to do something different. Absolutely. Absolutely. But now I'm back to two jobs. But that's just because I like torture. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Now, my resume on paper, fantastic. (laughs) On paper, I look great. (laughs) Right. In practice, uh, no. (laughs) Sometimes I sleep when I blink. And. (laughs) Oh, I can. Micro nap. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm good. Actually, the one way that I noticed it, too, for me, I drank way too much coffee. Really? An, an absurd amount of coffee. Like wait, like I noticed my like my intake. Like my so my typical order was large coffee. Then it turned into large coffee with one shot of espresso. Then it turned into one coffee with two shots of espresso. And then three at one point. And I was like, oh no, this ain't good. Something's going on. <laughs> Is that just because you felt you needed it just to kind of get through the day? Basically. And now I'm rethinking thing that, getting you that 30 ounce mug. Filled with water. <laughs> filled with water. I promise. There you go. There you go. It's a it's a lot to keep showing up for people in a way that doesn't show how drained you are Mm -hmm. that, you know, they're the eighth person that's shared with you today and you respect that so much. And you're trying not to 
glaze over because it's nothing to do with them and everything to do with what you've got stored up. Yeah. And I mean, this is, this isn't something that's even unique to just, you know, the clinical field, you're a cashier and you got to go in every day with a smile on your face and you like, you know, you haven't slept in 24 hours. You're working another job. You're, you got a a home life that's not so great. And now you got to go in and be the face of the register, you know? Mm -hmm. And then somebody wants to yell at you for wearing a mask. Like, right. 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 This is part of the reason why people who work in customer service are quitting their jobs in droves is because they're just tired mm-hmm. of it. They are mentally and physically burnt out. Who wants to get yelled at every day? I mean, for real. Do you re- no, you don't. Stop. I have four kids. So that's <laughs> right. Anyways, but I get, I get it. I get it. That doesn't mean you want to do it. <laughs> Who, who wants to be yelled at at work every day? <laughs> I, I don't the outlier again. And I, you know, I'm just getting real good at taking it at this point. Yeah, exactly. Where I work, it's like I do construction, so it's kind of commonplace. Where it's, you know, <laughs> if you're an electrician, it's bah, different. Get bent. Bah, uh, far more, you know, explicit. You left your vape juice here. Bah. But anyways, see, for, for me, burnout being in that field of work is it's just I normally love going to work when I don't no longer want to have the desire to get up and go to work. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I need to take a day off. It's too much. Yeah. And I, and it's something that everybody feels everybody, everybody can relate to that. You know, mm-hmm. when you struggle getting up in the morning or whenever your schedule usually starts and you just don't have that drive you're sitting. And I think one of the worst things is if you're still in bed and you pull out your phone, and you start looking at TikTok or social media and stuff like that, it just even fuels it more that you don't want to get up and go do what you need to do. I mean, it just you know makes that procrastination worse. But what if you really love TikTok though? TikTok and his addiction, and pretty soon we're going to spearhead a AA for it because I'll tell you what, it is a black hole <laughs> yeah. of time. Like when when you mean spearhead, you mean I'm gonna join as a yes. member. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. We're gonna start the first uh, support group for for TikTok addiction, dude. I'm telling you, TikTok. It's like you're sitting there and you're flipping through. It's like, eh, what time is it? It's uh 10:28. Eh, it's bad. 10:40. I'll get off, and you're scrolling, scrolling. Now they're like three minute videos, and you're scrolling. And you look back, it's two o'clock in the morning. It goes, what the hell just happened? Bed. You grab your phone at 5.45 in the morning. And you're like, yeah, I'll wake up for a few minutes. And you look back at 7.15. It's like, what? And you yeah, got no. people calling. No. Avoidance is a huge sort of indicator. <laughs> oh, yeah. Although yeah. my favorite right now with TikTok is the number of teenagers that will come into my office with TikTok pulled up and tell me what they have. Based oh, on no. Told oh, no. Don't. Right. I did don't not even know that was a thing yeah. yet. And I'm like, nah, you have parents who have expectations. That's. <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> either do or don't get me started because it, it annoys the hell out of me. Wait, this has happened to you too? Yes. TikTok so, is the new Dr. Google? Yes. 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 No. By people oh, yeah. who terrifying. By I'm not, I'm not even in the clinical <laughs> field <laughs> and I get this out on there. Yeah. So right, be- yeah. <laughs> right before I left my job to start my new one, 
it's it happened to me on several occasions and people came in well you know i i was watching TikTok, and i seem to be like on this i seem to be on this algorithm that's like adhd related so i probably have adhd and i'm like no 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 in my mind i'm like no you're yeah, I don't want to go further, but I'm like, you're, you're, you're doing illegal drugs. That's what's happening. Right. <laughs> it's, it's not ADHD. Well, but what really comes out is, okay, um, and that's the let's, first step right there. Okay. Let's, let's really talk about why you think and what's going on. And then I'll, I have done it with, especially with adults, I've pulled up the DSM. Mm. And I'm like, okay. Do you have that? No. Do you have that? No. You have that? No. Then you don't have ADHD. But this this said I did. Let's go through it again. So with adults, I am very like I'm not as I'm as, I'm assertive. Let's not use the word aggressive because I'll get my license taken away. Um, <laughs> I'm assertive. I'm like no. Let's take a look again. So also because I I primarily worked in the substance abuse field and you need to like be a little assertive there. And I'm like no. Let's let's go through it. And yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I, can't also, I try to go for functional impairment. Like, well, so how, you must be really struggling at work. I'm awesome. At right. My job. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's, that's clue number one that it's not, but let's continue. Right. <laughs> I'm over but, here yeah. truly ADHD off the charts. And I'm like, let me tell you how I live. <laughs> Let me tell you what it's really like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Four times, okay? In, in a clinical way, let me tell you what it's really like. Sit down. <laughs> I love that because people have an idea of what this, what things look like, right? Mm -hmm. Because somebody on TikTok found the unique flower within them, and then everyone who has any similar patterns, well, we're all just a bunch of weirdos. Mm -hmm. You know, learning to cope with different stuff and just because we display the same behaviors doesn't mean they're ever for the same reason. So that was blowing my mind right now. Instead of like drinking or illegal drugs and it injured my hip because right. yogaing so hard trying to get out of this burnout place. And I realized I I can't self-care out of it. Mm -hmm. That had to be the ticket, right? I'm just not self-caring hard enough. And I realized self-care was really, it kind of sounded like you're not working hard enough. Mm -hmm. That was a problem. I was working too hard. So I couldn't self-care my way out of it. So I started listening to the things I tell other people to do. Mm. Novel, right? <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could do that. It's awful. I'm exercising normally. And like right. drinking water. It's easy to be able to like tell people these things, but to do it ourselves is a different story where it's like you're so used to getting it out and saying it to somebody like, hey, and you're drinking enough water, you're getting enough sleep, are you taking breaks and this and that. But it's hard to reflect it onto yourself where you're like, I I'm more irritable. Um uh, I'm not I'm just stressing super fast like uh, i'm very irritated like very quickly uh i'm tired what what am i doing wrong like what what's going on and then like you said it's like oh my god i know what what i tell people you know to as first steps and then you start doing that yourself it it it, it seems crazy but it happens i think more times than not where you know you just don't realize that's what you need to you know mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Well, and, and it, it plays back into that that common misnomer that if you're a therapist and you've studied psychology, well, then you then you yeah. don't need this. There's yeah, yep, absolutely. And my therapist <laughs> passed on some brilliant information which puzzled me because it wasn't on TikTok. But um, <laughs> she said you're really good at your job, but everyone you serve gets a break from you. Mm -hmm. So you're social working yourself twenty four hours a day. Who are you failing? Mm -hmm. What are you dropping? All these things. When do you just let yourself off the hook because they don't have to deal with your crap most of the week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was an exercise for me. That's profound. Mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. Yeah. You hold yourself to a higher standard than the people that you tell every day to take a step back, be mindful of your of yourself and where you're at. And here you are going, you know, <laughs> Do you, what am I doing? Yeah, absolutely. Right. I'm I have to be at least as kind to myself as I am to the people I talk to every day. Mm -hmm. I have to try. Anyway, there's the big goal, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you you mentioned before, and it's interesting because I've had this happen not only to me, but to just uh, clients that I've seen where they self-care too hard. And then automatically it's like, I'm, fa I'm even failing at self-care. Yes. And yeah, it was, I couldn't do that of a day. I was setting myself up. Right. So I've actually had to work with people like, how do we manage your self care? Because you're going above them. You're going too quickly. Mm -hmm. You think you should be having this epiphany of meditation when we're not even really working towards that. I've had that. Everybody <laughs> thinks that they should be masters at meditation. I'm like, no, no, no. Mastery comes like there are still there are still people who cannot master it, and like that takes time and practice and like real true like official like grounding and mindfulness to get to that point of you know of a center. Yes, and I, I don't I, have that kind of attention span. No, <laughs> Most people don't. A driver, I feel like I have meditated myself through a moment. You know. I've, I've accepted and let things go in a healthy way. Right. And it, I think self-care needs to be smaller, actually like smaller achievable sort of things that you can do within it, you know, within a day just to help take care of yourself. You know, listen, we're all busy. We're all doing things. But what are the little things that you can do within like a 15, 30, 45 minute break that can help you? Right. And if we're yeah. looking to achieve like, you know, the ultimate Zen moment of a meditation in 15 minutes. No, we're set again, like we said before, we're setting yourself up for failure. What else could we do in that 15 minutes? Yeah. You know, what are the other things that you can do? You know, what are the things that you can do when you get home from work to kind of process a really crappy day? Like what what are the things there? And I know we're kind of deviating from burnout into almost like a self-care thing. But it's it, it, sometimes it's synonymous, though. Mm -hmm. I think that's our first response when we hear burnout, right? Is, well, what are you doing for self-care? And to me, I read something that changed my perspective, and it was we need to normalize burnout as a workplace injury. Ooh, it is yeah. not a personal failure. It is a danger of the professions we've chosen. And so I think a lot of it was we were also spread thin. We forgot to check on each other. And those of us, you know, who were supervising, were just alongside other people. We couldn't hold them up. We were just trying to grab onto the, you know, driftwood in the Titanic all together. 
Um, mm-hmm. There's no room. And so all of the coping skills that I think anybody had didn't work. They just weren't enough, us included. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That was, that was actually something I, I, I kind of found out the hard way because, you know, I came, I came into uh, the Discord server looking for peer support, looking for like-minded individuals, you know, a safe space where I, where I could talk. And I guess in the course of sharing my experiences and sharing my stories, Joe and everyone noticed me and said, would you want to take on a, on a moderator role and, and kind of oversee some stuff? And for whatever reason, as soon as that tag got applied to my name, it was like, oh, I can no longer be here. I can't, I can't be at the user level anymore in the server. Right. I'm now a moderator, so I have to put on this air that, you know, of of some sort of, I don't know, authoritative knowledge, whatnot. And then I started neglecting myself. Right. I started (laughs) neglecting myself because it's like, okay, I'm here. I'm no longer here for help. I'm now here to help people and just burn myself out. Probably. I don't know, Joe, maybe you remember it was probably in like three, four months in. I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very noticeable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it hits you different when you when you start you know move into that sort of role. Uh, when I first started doing crisis counseling with the crisis text line, that was a whole different world. Right at the beginning, almost every single like night that I volunteered, I talked to Doc after, and he would sure. check on me after for a little while at the beginning to see how my night was and this and that and that first night was a doozy and I wasn't prepared for that. And it, it hit me different. And during the training, a big component of it is self-care, have mm-hmm. a self-care plan in place for when you're done for the night and you're done, you know, providing peer support. And that goes for any peer support network and you're assisting other people is when you're done listening to someone and assisting them and guiding them to resources, referring them, whatever you're doing, be sure to reflect on yourself too, and Mm -hmm. give yourself some downtime after to put yourself back into a safe space. I've gone for walks at two o'clock in the morning. I get weird looks, but I've gone for walks before I'll jump on and play video games. Now, uh, when I'm done, you'll see me pop on at like one o'clock in the morning. That usually means that I just got done volunteering and I need to kind of digress a little bit or I'll listen to music. I have my little rock light that I, I have lit and I have like this little system that I do, but it, it creeps up with you and you see it with people that just jump into that peer support setting and like mm-hmm. some of our moderators uh even though we do provide you know some training and everything for them it's still a whole different ball game when you move into that position and you're providing that peer support for somebody and being that shoulder for them and that champion and you you can quickly just be overwhelmed right and you lose yourself it's so it's, easy it's very easy to forget that you still need help yourself yeah. Mm-hmm. We always forget the both and, right? Mm-hmm. Things can be true at the same time. I can be a good supporter and need to have my good supporters. Right. I, I have a very particular set of skills. Yes. In yes. certain areas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know how to use them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, you know, something that you said, Nate, really stood out to me because in this 
in the field of certified peer specialists, you know, tr billing Medicaid, we really talk about in our ethical stuff, maintaining our own recovery. Like we are not any good if we are not living in a way that furthers our own recovery. And, you know, that's when we feel like we're not doing anyone else any good either. So I think that's what I've brought out. I don't think it's, I don't like it in the social work ethics as much as I do in peer support, because in social work, it kind of feels like you should probably take care of yourself so you don't suck. Um, <laughs> but in peer support, it's like, tell us how you are doing that so that we can right. all learn from you and we can do it too. Well, and again, there's, there, there's that, that dynamic when you're peer support versus therapist <laughs> client relationship, yeah. moderator, right? status it's uh, okay you're not allowed to anymore because you've done this you've you've done this one thing right whereas your peer everyone looks and go okay you have okay so you still have the degrees you still have the education still have the background but you're here as a peer mm -hmm. Absolutely. there's that weird i don't know it like it, as soon as someone sees you and I, I i warn any any of the moderators that come in they go so what's 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 it like being a moderator how is it different i'm like it's it's not you still are the same you that you are but people are going to see that moderator tag on your name and they're going to start leaning on you heavy. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Nate's fantastic. He's, he's our, uh, our moderator lead in the server as well. So he's, he's a strong shoulder and very knowledgeable for, for all the <laughs> moderators. I'm exceptionally broken and I've learned how to overcome it. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yes. Honestly, if we're all very real. Right. And I do try to like demystify that a little bit. Like I came in to psychology and social work very honestly, like most people do, because I want to either find out what was wrong with me or the world. Um, maybe both. Both is how I ended up in social work. Um, but it's not that we have, you know, these these huge capacities to bear pain. We have an understanding of where it comes from and how we can all deal with it together. Exactly. But we forget that and we think that we have to bear the pain alone in order for us to be doing our jobs well. Like if if we share the burden, we're not strong enough, I guess. Maybe that's my own stuff. But like if I had to hear it, maybe you shouldn't have to hear it too. And there's another component of that that I think all of us have managed to figure out. Joe goes on a walk at two o'clock in the morning and you know that's all fine and good he's got a kid at home and a wife that needs him, you know, and, and a job to go to in the morning. I've got two kids and, you know, they need me. Alan's got a, a, a small army over there. I think he's got a hockey team at this point. Um, and, and Matt's got his cats. Uh, and a dog. <laughs> and, but and one dog. <laughs> right. But within that dynamic, with all of our, with all of our groups that we have, there's a understanding and a communication aspect to that. They understand what we do. So they understand that we have a need or an obligation to take care of ourselves, right? If, if Joe wasn't doing what Joe was doing with, with the, with the crisis line and he decided to get out and, you know, Hey honey, I'm just going to get up and I'm going to walk around the block at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, that might be something a little, you know, concerning. Might not, right. Yeah. She might not take too kindly to that, but because she understands where you're at, you get off those mm -hmm. phone calls and you go, honey, I just need to take a cruise around the block real quick. You're good. You know, I, I, Matt, I know Amanda, as much as she busts your balls, is really good about letting you decompress. No, very much so. Or very, yells very at him so. to decompress. That's more so what happens. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, that's that's where, also important is making sure that you establish those lines of communication for your own self-care. I think that's where I struggled. Um, you know, going into this, I was doing training and I was doing policy work and I had the supports for that. I did not have the supports in place, nor do I think the people around me knew what I needed to hear the kind of things I started hearing. Mm-hmm. Joe was talking about earlier, he didn't recognize my background. I had to completely over Christmas, I took a week and just changed my entire office because not only did I not get to leave, I work where I live and well, I probably more so live where I work at this point. But <laughs> that was the corner I heard about X, Y, and Z in. And then I couldn't continue processing stuff until I was out of that. But I didn't learn that before I was doing it on my own. You know, I didn't set up those things that we we know to do as therapists, that we know to do as peer supports, because it was so quick and everyone was just learning on the fly. I was training other social workers how to be ethical over telehealth. I didn't learn how to then connect with them afterwards to make sure I was okay. Right. Mm-hmm. That is so valuable to have those those communications, those ways to just, I almost think of it as like a white flag. Like, I probably need somebody else to tell me at this point that I need to take a break. You know, they'll see it too. It's, it's funny, coming into this pandemic, my therapist and I went into, into telehealth and there was probably about a month in, we weren't having good conversations. And we had a therapy session where I just looked at her and said, what's going on? Tell me what's up because I'm seeing it. I don't know if you're seeing it. And yeah, we we work th- we work through stuff with her because coming client facing, it's just like I don't know that you're being as effective as you think you are because something about your dynamic is not working. That is so cool that you could have that conversation with them. I mean, just you know, lowering that power differential and just getting real and saying we're two people right. in a relationship. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. That's that is fantastic, actually, <laughs> and. I think the other thing, Joe, you mentioned something. Well, no, you just you mentioned crisis text line. Bailey, you seem to be also, from what I from what I gathered, like sort of like the first people. You know, you're the first person that people see when they're looking for help. So you guys are getting people at their absolute most vulnerable. You're getting people who are either in crisis, just are coming out of a crisis, and are at a what could potentially be an all time low. That's equally as draining for the person receiving that as well too because you're getting you're trying to work insanely hard to get this person kind of what they need or get them to a place where they need to be and they're at their lowest that's not easy and sometimes the next step at least what i've noticed in unfortunately where i am and things like that the next step is not always the prettiest the line of work that i've done People go from an emergency room to a detox to a rehab. None of those places are really pretty. Usually they come to see me. I'm the prettiest thing in a rehab. <laughs> but well, probably not. But still, it, it's it, they're not pretty, but they're necessary and they're required. And you it's hard to explain that to somebody who's again sort of in a crisis and at their lowest. It's a, such a difficult difficult i've only done that job and probably it's only because of boundary i know i've only done that job a handful of times because of how stressful and how difficult it truly is it's not an easy gig by any stretch i love it i mean there's nothing 
I would rather, and I think there are folks that are just kind of built like that. Of mm-hmm. I have a high risk tolerance. I'll walk into some situations that I maybe shouldn't, but all in all, it's working because folks are talking to me. And the flip side is I do hand them off and I never get to see growth. Yes. I yeah. see your worst day and you're going to tell me how bad it is because that's what you need me to know. So finally, I had to start carrying just a tiny caseload to just see people have a good day. Um, you know, I needed to hear that this dude got an apartment because there's there's got to be a balance. There is good out there. And I was forgetting it. Yeah. Unfortunately, with it's the opposite of when somebody reaches out to the crisis text line as one of the volunteers, one of the counselors with them, I don't know what I'm walking into. <laughs> there's there's no when when there's a queue going and I finish with one texture and I take on the next, I don't know what I'm walking into. And mm-hmm. I rarely get to see because you build that rapport, you get you know their name and you start building a file and stuff. That way, in case they do text back, it saves that information for the next counselor. So they know what they get a big, you know, brief idea of uh, what happened in the last conversation and how, what resources you provided and what you touched on. But it's rare for, for me to converse with the same person twice. And sometimes it's a really, really bad day for that person. And unfortunately, like doesn't happen often, but we have to do an active rescue if we mm-hmm. hit all the criteria for an assessment with them and a risk assessment and we flag it. And as soon as we flag it, it, it goes from there, but you still keep talking with them and it you really do see them at their lowest. And I would love, 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 love to have that as well to see how the person progressed after what help they got. Like you said, that person got the apartment. They were homeless for three months or this person was fighting with addiction or a bad breakup or had suicidal ideations. I'd love to see the end of the rainbow and see that this person, you know, grew and is just in a more positive place. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen very often. Right. But those victories are huge when they, Oh yeah. And that is, I mean, you're talking like I'm thinking of, Oh, that one guy, I saw him come into outpatient today. He took the bus. Okay. Like it's that kind of stuff. yeah it's huge it's huge for some yeah wait now 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 touch on that a little bit more why is that a huge thing for somebody to Um, ride the bus and uh, the people that i work with have have some pretty significant struggles that they're facing most are designated as pmi severely and persistently mentally ill Mm -hmm. most are um on disability for whatever they have going on and often require one-on-one staff assistance to get most places I knew this particular guy had been in our services for 15 years. He and his brother both. The last time I went out to see him, and keep in mind, like, I don't see people on their best days. His OCD was such that he would, we would stand there and we're looking at his mailboxes and he would open it and he would close it. And then he would check the ground because he knew he had dropped it. And he would open it. And we did this for an hour. He would then call us as we left to make sure that we saw that he didn't drop the mail. He was never going places on his own until today. I saw him jump off that Wichita public transportation bus and come in and be like, I'm drawn here for my appointment. 
Boom. I love that. That's a huge, huge milestone for that person. It's amazing. That makes me happy. Yeah. When you you recognize what growth looks like, I think you see it everywhere. We kind of look for those, you know, somebody got a job or somebody graduated from services, which are awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I've got a gal who's using the ER just a little too often right now, but you know what? She's got 57 days sober and she can show up at that ER every time she wants. It's recognizing the strengths that people have and how they're getting through this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I have been very fortunate. Uh, I got to see it twice. Somebody like really succeed. <clears throat> I had one gentleman who again, came into rehab, absolute lowest. And all of a sudden I turn around, he's in a bagel store, literally behind me. And he taps me on the shoulder. And I'm going to be honest, I did not recognize him. Why? Because he looked 30,000 times different. And all he kept saying was, thank you, thank you, you, everybody. It's been so grateful. And finally it clicked. And the first words out of my mouth, I like, well, so what are you doing? How's everything? He goes, I got my license back. I got... I got a bread route that I'm doing, like just amazing things. And it's so nice to actually be able to see that because again, when they, you know, when a patient would leave rehab, you know, unless they obviously, unless they came back, I had no idea what happened. You know, I, you know, I sent them off to their next level of care and that was it. So I was very fortunate. And another one, I actually have somebody who still texts me on, on, on a regular, probably not allowed, but it happened and will send me uh pictures of their coins that they get from aa and na meetings and they just surpassed a year and you know i i got the i got the year the uh, year token and it's amazing and it's always that that aspect of knowing that you know i was potentially part of that never know how much of a role anybody plays within within something like that and i tell everybody like i could just be the stepping stone and that's very much okay it's okay that that you're going on to the next step because that this is how this works yeah we're all and going to the next right step right yeah right that's so cool oh it's I, i've been very fortunate to see it and in my line of work to see it twice is very very fortunate yeah. Oh, I love this. Now, what are a few things I know we've been talking about experiences and some examples and stuff, but just for for anybody that's listening, I'd love to get both your guys' feedback for just a few things on a couple ideas on self-reflection to maybe realize that you are burning out in what you're doing and a few things that somebody could do that might help them along the road. One of the things that I train on, but also I train on it because I believe in it. It's called a wellness recovery action plan. And a wrap, a wellness recovery action plan is basically a list of stuff you know about yourself that you can use to keep yourself well. Um, It was developed by someone who experiences voices who learned to harness those voices to go on and do really great things. But she recognized she already knew what she needed to know. Mm-hmm. What I gained from this is first it asked us to have a toolbox. What do you right. know helps you all the time? 
and it should be pretty quick stuff. Mine is a, a fountain soda from like Quick Trip. That really makes my day. Um, but also some coloring pencils, I have incense, um, a few yoga poses that I know are quick. Because I know when I'm struggling, I'm not going to think about it. I won't think of those things. But then it lists, how do you know that you need to start doing that? What are the signs that you notice? And so if I'm noticing, oh, that's, yeah, that's one of them. I need to go back. And then it's, what do other people notice? Who do you give permission to say, uh, mine, one of mine is my flat face. We could call it flattened affect if we wanted to. But basically, I just stop having emotion on my face. And my boss is very allowed to say, hey, flat face, seems like time to take a couple days off. And she's usually right. But it gives me really concrete things because the first thing to go is my ability to determine what I should do next. Mm, yeah. I, uh, just, just to add on that, I know we spoke about it before, but I think I want, I, you know, to, to kind of bring it home a little bit, but having people around you to say that, right. You know, for me, I've had it a couple of times where Amanda has, uh, she's hit, she hits me guys. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> no, <you're not>. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, she's basically she gives you me, an like, honest assessment. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> brutal no she she does and i also have a very good friend of mine that uh, i used to work with we made very good friends where she would call me and she'd be like yeah you were not yourself at work today what was going on and it was just very blunt and very like yeah you gotta stop like you gotta you gotta you gotta cut something out you gotta calm down you gotta like do something different and she, you know she was uh, her actually her and amanda used to always talk and be like how do we stop him from working three jobs like what do we do <laughs> and they were they did it they 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 beat some sense into me sometimes physically but i think that and but i think bailey you're right knowing your own personal triggers when know your personal behaviors when something is kind of not right mm -hmm. like for me on a work sense if i let my notes lapse Mm -hmm. I know, I know something is going on. Like if I'm not doing them the night of or the day before, something's wrong. I'm not because one that puts me in jeopardy, but also two that's like just not good practice. I'm I'm avoiding. I'm you know yeah. So I know I know that for me, and then I kind of have to come center and be like, okay, what's what's the next move? Let's not wait to the last minute to do you know 16 notes in one night. Let's say. Or uh, sometimes more, <laughs> but well, that's the part-time job. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing is I cope by working, but when all of my work is clinical, that wasn't, that wasn't helpful. Right. Right. Yeah. A lot of it is recognizing and that's why it's important to have people around you to say like something's not right. You know, mm -hmm. I know. I know during like during the pandemic, Amanda said to me, she's like, you're on that computer way too much. And not mm -hmm. even just for like work purposes anymore. She's like, I don't even see you. Something's wrong. <laughs> yep. My wife and I had that conversation many a time. She goes, yeah. every time I look at you, you got your nose in the server. And it's like, yeah, okay. Because mm -hmm. how much easier is it to deal with other people's stuff than our own? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Oh. That's such the, the biggest saying on a, 
especially in yeah. substance abuse. When you're focusing on somebody else's problems, you're not, you're no longer focusing on you anymore. That right there. That's <laughs> well said, Matt. You nailed it right there. It's, it's true. It's the absolute truth. Yep. Yeah. I consider myself very fortunate that before I even recognized it, I've had Joe and Matt and Doc reach out to me in a DM going, everything okay? And that's so. such a strength to be able to receive that message well. <laughs> to know that sent with love and, and respect for what you bring. <laughs> My sign is, for me personally, I know when to step back and it's the main thing that I see is my irritability my fuse mm -hmm. will be a quarter inch and i will just fly off the handle mm -hmm. and it's like 10 minutes later i'll reflect on it and be like why did i do that yep Wasn't we've that seen it a couple a of times and it's like yeah it, 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 and it's and it always comes with we'll just we'll stop we'll take a breath and we get and we, we ate and also we see joe is typing all right i'm sorry <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things where I'll 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 be up till two o'clock in the morning working on something three nights in a row, so I'll be up for for like I don't know twenty hours through the day and go from work to home to putting the kids to bed to jumping on the computer and doing what I need to do to keep things moving and work on projects and this and that and then i'll you know, oh, i gotta i gotta get some sleep tonight and i'll be winding myself down and four days of that straight and my fuse is uh just a hair trigger and it's like okay i need to take a break yep. I need to take a I'm, break. I'm typically very sarcastic and snarky and when my jokes don't land i know joe's not having a good day yeah that's a good <laughs> sign there that's usually when oh, matt says something to me <laughs> Joe's not laughing, guys. Joe, you're right. Joe, Joe you, you good, buddy? Like everything okay? I'm fine. God damn it, no. We love you, Joe. <laughs> Just get that Nate. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I will admit, one time somebody was leaving the office, my office, and I just—it was a bad conversation. And it, they were just being so resilient into what they needed to do. As soon as they left, I was my blood was already like boiling, and it's like I'm keeping it down, keeping it down. And I pull up my phone and I look, and I'm like, "Get!" And it was like, "Okay, I'm gonna leave the office. I'm gonna go out for a bit, and uh, I'm gonna go get a taco." Yeah, because tacos make therapy me happy. tacos. Therapy tacos. Good thing. And I found tacos. a great mexican restaurant locally it opened up not too long haciendas and oh my god i'm going there tomorrow for lunch and i've been looking forward to it all week long and uh yeah totally derail on that it, it, you know when we're if, if we go out west matt nate we're going for tacos i'm gonna get tacos at some point in time well I, if i'm not mistaken we're going for tacos and tattoos Yes, tacos and tattoos. The tacos yeah. are cheaper. <laughs> tacos are cheaper. Tacos are cheaper. You clearly have not had tacos with me. But I have to reach out <laughs> to a specific not. tattoo artist out in that area. See if we can work something out for, for the team when we get out you there. Bulk rate or a nonprofit rate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bulk rate, nonprofit rate. I mean, you know, uh, tax exempt. I mean, of course. Is there tax on tattoos? 
Not that I know of. No. What do we do to uh, incorporate good, healthy self-care to uh, combat burnout, combat getting burnout, and coming back from burnout? Mm. Clearly, it's getting tattoos. <laughs> yes, um, pain. I'm sorry. It, um, <laughs> I, think, I think one of the biggest things that, and this is, I don't know, I don't know if, what you're after, but this is what I did. Um, I mentioned earlier, you know, I identify with, as someone with a couple diagnoses. Um, I asked for accommodations for the first time ever. I was recognizing that a lot of my stuff was really ADHD related. I didn't feel competent. I didn't feel like I was focused. There were things that were not in my skill set and worked against everything I had going that were causing me to burn out quicker. And so I know, I know what I'm good at. I know that I can walk around the kitchen for two hours with my cell phone in the morning and drink coffee and get more stuff done than most people in a day. But I was supposed to be sorting a spreadsheet first thing in the morning. <laughs> and so I just finally, after struggling and feeling like I had to do it alone, I was like, here's the deal. I don't focus before 10, but I can do some great stuff. Um, if I can change this schedule and I will go do these here, can we continue to build up what I need? And they were so receptive. Just, okay, let's do that. And we've also heard this helps. What do you need here? It was just an amazing experience to not only not feel judged for that, but to have it recognized as, yes, you are good at stuff. And so let's keep you doing what you're good at. We can find other ways to make everything else work. That gave me permission to do that in the rest of my life. Yeah. The and employers. So, oh, sorry. No, I was just, this is the book that I've been, The Lazy Genius Way. I beat myself up for being so freaking ADHD when I could just simplify my life and, and ask for the help I needed. And so I think that was one of my biggest things is ask for the help you need when you realize it instead of, you know, internalizing it as a failure. Mm -hmm. There was a book that was uh, referenced the last uh, episode that we recorded with James from To Write Love on His Arms. And it was called Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. And that spoke to me. I love that book. I just got done with it this week. I had to read it. It's a small book. It's not very long. And I'll tell you what, it was pretty eye-opening, some parts of it. And it was like, hmm, this, this could work for me. I get paralyzed over decisions. So now I eat the same thing for lunch every day. And most of my clothes look the same. And my life is better for it. You know what? But I like gray and black. I mean, those are my favorite colors right there. I mean. I throw on a cardigan. I'm a social worker. <laughs> I wear a hoodie all the time. I mean, I love it. I mean, that's my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. It was looking at all those ways I was creating stress for myself. You know, what pressure am I adding on rather than just self-caring? What could I let go? Somebody asked me one time, I was stressed about my kid. And they said, is your kid on fire? I said, no. And they said, okay, you're cool. Yeah. So next thing. <laughs> that's kind of extreme, but it's No, true. no. I mean, it, 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 and literally as a conversation I've had with my wife, you know, we have two, I have a four-year-old and a three-year-old and they are just prone to do stuff. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, so I get that phone call. Oh my God, this just happened. It's like, are they bleeding? No. Is anything broken? No. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. Are they crying? Sure. They're going to stop. I think one of my things that I started doing lately actually was, uh, 
And this could go on to streamers or anybody that is taking quite a lot on. Write down mm -hmm. all, like, for streamers, like, I set up this, I'm going to make clip this, I'm going to make it this video, I'm going to edit this podcast, I, I need to do this, I, I have to go to work this time. And look at it when you're done and go, okay, mm -hmm. I need to cut a few things out of this. Yep. Not all this needs to be done right mm -hmm. now. And I have to do that on a regular basis with what we do because I will try and take on as much as I possibly can and be like, okay, we have this project. We have to get these done. We have to get this uh, system, you know, all squared away. Uh, we have to plan for this. We have to do this. We have to get this in place and we have to have a meeting on this. We don't need all that right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's something that, that happens with my job too. A lot of stuff funnels down to one line of, you know, one, one certain person and the Joe with, the, with you being the head of the org, there's a lot of thing that just it naturally funnels up to you. And there's a certain point where I, I, I have to look in, in my job and go, is there someone else that can do this thing? Mm. Not necessarily better, but can they just get it done to take that load off of me? Yep. And that's right? what Nate does with the podcast now. Right. Yeah. I mean that silly things like that. Like I'm just taking on way too much. Do I have do I have a resource I can I, I can outsource this to? Mm -hmm. Sure. That always helps me when I feel like oh, I'm all alone. I don't have anyone that could possibly help me. And then I list mm -hmm. out the things and I realize, well, no, somebody probably could let my dog out right now, mm -hmm. you know, and people are willing to help if you if you have a task. Right. You know what? And I can truly attest to that. I I had an army at my house when I moved all friends. I literally put up the bat signal in my like personal discord server with my friends and everybody showed up. And I, I I didn't pay them. I bought them all dinner and I had pizza and beer in the fridge. Oh. I didn't pay them in a sense. Everybody showed up, right? Mm -hmm. If you get, you know, if it, it, to me, like it almost made me cry because I just had tons of people at, in, in the dead of summer come and help me move and empty a pod of things and help set up a house that they're not going to live in. Me and my wife are. But it, it really was just amazing to see that. And it keeps, it reminds me at least that, no, there are people that give a damn about you. You know, right. I would have came and helped you. Dude, you live like you. five hours away. I live like two hours away. Malarkey. Mister. Malarkey. No. no, I Google mapped it. It's about two hours. You got a truck and trailer. and yeah. Now he's going to make me feel bad that Caffeine. I didn't ask him. Right. <laughs> you know what? It's been so wonderful having you on, Bailey. Uh, you're welcome to come on anytime if you're free. And we'd love to have you back. But uh, I think we've gone come to the end of the uh, podcast before anybody turns into pumpkins. I was going to say, I thought Nate caught me yawning earlier, so I'll, <laughs> I'll turn it I, on this time. It's only 8.30 for me. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, you and your sleep time. <laughs> Thank you all so much for having me back on. It was a pleasure to meet the rest of you. Uh, this yeah, was yeah, so yeah, much so fun. Wonderful. We hope to be able to do some more things in the future with you bailey and you're always welcome um before we let you go uh is there any plugs or anything you know socials anything you want to share for people to find you or anything like that i'm bailey blair on twitter you know your friendly neighborhood mental health professional but mostly just dog pictures yeah. and uh, that's <laughs> totally acceptable i love dog pictures 
I can, I'm trying to set up a dog cam for, for Dingo, my office dog. I have a blanket down for him and he tears it up every time. And he's, I'm going to get a, I have a camera. I haven't set it up yet, but I'm going to have a dog cam. So people can yeah. see, see Dingo and his <laughs> puppy infamy. Cam. Yeah, puppy cam. Um, thank you all for listening to the Guardians Mental Health Podcast. If you can, please leave us a review on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you listen to your podcast. It helps spread the podcast to others who may not have heard it. Keep up to date with everything we are doing over at guardiansmh.org. Feel free to follow us on Twitter, at guardiansmh, and join our partner Discord server at discord.gg slash guardiansmh. Help us keep the lights on, but more importantly, help us keep our mental health kits free to ship to everyone who requests. You can uh, help us out in various different ways over at tiltify.com slash guardiansmh, Patreon at patreon.com slash guardiansmh mental health kits, and coffee at coffee.com slash guardiansmh. As Joe is holding up for the podcast listeners, uh, we have a new mental health kit in a, uh, as a partnership with To Write Love on Her Arms that will be launching in September. Um, we just had a fundraiser for it, and we're continuing to, we're going to be sending those out relatively soon. We will have 2,500 of these uh, suicide prevention mental health kits ready to go week one, and they are going to be permanent kits too. So we will, these will be on hand for anybody to request anytime 360 a year. So, it's so any donations would be greatly appreciated. Yes. And if you can't donate, that's okay. Spread the word as best as you can. So that yes. way we can keep these bad boys going. I love it. And you know what? The mental health kits for last month traveled uh, almost 89,000 miles uh, around the country. So we sent so many mental health kits. I'd love to double that for the month of August to get these mental health kits out to people, get the resources to them, the sensory items, the printed resources. We have some new resources that are in the kits and they're just absolutely amazing. And they're hundred percent free. I mean, they don't cost anybody anything, no shipping, nothing. We, we cover absolutely everything. And that's one of our ways to giving back to the community overall It's providing these sensory items and printed resources and journals and coloring books and everything. So they're really, really awesome. And for conventions, if we're at a convention, stop by our booth because we do plan on having them at booths for individuals to, you know, pick up on their way by if they come and visit us and mm -hmm. it'll be uh, really special. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I forgot one plug. We have recently partnered with high score tees. Yes. They are currently helping with our merch. So please feel free to go if you want some lit fire flame merch. Go over to highscoretees.com slash collections slash guardians mental health to check out some really cool, really new, and really, really nice merch. The pride tea is amazing. I am buying that as well as the hat. I need those two things in yes, my life. I have the hat. I love the hat. The hat's great. They yeah, are you the dad hat. I am a sorry man. <laughs> what for me? You need flatbacks, bro. <laughs> anyway, I'm not cool enough. That's now I'm really done with plugs. I'm sorry. Okay. All right, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with us, and we will catch you next time.